Wildling Press presents How Do I Book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wildling Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I'm your host, Christina, and I am here with Beth Riekels, author and wonderful person. Beth, hello. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun hanging out with you again. Yes, yes. We've talked previously on my other podcast, before we go any further, Beth, uh, what are your pronouns? I'm she, her. Awesome. And um, tell the listeners a little bit about your work, if they're unfamiliar with it, or maybe they are and they just don't realize that's who you are. So I'm best known for the Kissing Booth series, like the Netflix film. So most people are pretty <laughs> familiar with those. But I've actually just published my 12th book a couple of weeks ago, which was a fake dating adult rom-com all about being single in your 20s called Faking It. Um, and that's, uh, I can share the news now, that's going to be coming to the States on Galentine's Day next year, which feels really nice. So February 13th, 2024, you can, I think you could pre-order it now, but keep an eye out Amazing. for that. Amazing. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So that's your 12th book. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, a couple of them have been like short stories or novellas, but still, you okay. know, uh, yeah, still you, you <laughs> got to do a cohesive plot and character arc. You know, it's not, yeah. it might be shorter, but I'm not sure it's easier to write a novella. <laughs> no, I mean, they've, every book is its own challenge, you know? Yes. Yeah, totally. So I, I learned about you because my girlfriends and I love watching all of those like you know, like popcorn, easy, like Netflix yeah. movies. Like we just eat them up. Like we want to watch some teenagers figure out who they are. In your 30s, I feel like it's just such wonderful escapism. They're just consistently such great movies to rewatch as well. Like, mm -hmm. like I think I've been seeing a bunch of TikTok videos of She's the Man and I basically rewatched She's the Man about eight times in the last couple of weeks just through the TikTok snippets and every time I'm just like this is such a great movie this is so great this is so funny I'm having so much fun with this yes hell yes I feel the same way about Mean Girls like I quote that movie every day of my life I've yes. watched that probably 100 times and I'll watch it again these movies are just like <laughs> cultural moments yes so I think that like sorry let's just like dive I start in my notes I'm like how did you get into writing but like no <laughs> let's let's dive right into what we're talking about right now because I think it's so, I think that like the thing, the media that's created for like young women is so important. It's like yeah. such an important part of our sisterhood and like, like, you know, like global sisterhood and movies like this, I think like stay with us because they're, they're just so easy to like connect to relate to. Yeah. Like there's a universality in them. Yeah. And like one of the things I saw with the responses to the kissing booth was that like, Loads of teenagers loved it. But then there were also like loads of mums, like women in their sort of mid-30s, in their 40s, who were messaging me like, oh, I watched this with my daughters or my nieces or whatever. Or I just watched this on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And it took me right back to my teenagers. Like it was that nostalgia. And now I'm watching it with my friends and things like that. 
So it's one of the, like, it's just, I think even, you know, movies from like 2008 or movies from last year, there's, like you said, a universality to it, that it's that teenage experience that as women, we just all instantly connect to whatever the situation in the film. Yeah. There's something about like watching someone like, like these movies, it's like these young women often are like feeling so awkward they're like doing the wrong thing they're like figuring it out and it's like half of it is like oh I remember when I was like that and then the other half is like oh I'm still like that (laughs) (laughs) so are you a big reader of YA as well as a writer um I haven't been over the last few years but I think I haven't been a big reader over the last few years in general um I've kind of picked up my reading a lot more in the last probably like two years um since I, I I was working a full-time, like, nine-to-five, you know, office job alongside yeah. being a writer and gave that at uh, end of 2021 to be a full-time Congrats. author. Thanks. Congrats. It was... That's in- 12 books, I hope. I hope <laughs> that, that is, you're able to make that happen. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was, there was a lot of factors went into it, but it was just kind of time for me to leave that job, try this full-time. I was yeah. fortunately able to do that. But that also meant I was like, oh great, I finally have like free time in my day and my week now. This is amazing. I can read books again. Yeah. And, you know, if you view being an author as your full-time job now, which I mean, which it is, but if you think about it like a job job, yeah, reading other books in your genre is like totally work. You know what I mean? I'm so glad you said that because (laughs) I, I went on a date with a guy a little while ago and there were red flags in abundance, but one of them was that well, I wasn't really working then if I was reading a book that I was specifically asked to read to blurb. And I was like, well, like the only reason I'm reading it right this second is because I know I need to send the blurb off. It was a book oh I wanted God. to read anyway, because I only do this for books that I would genuinely be interested in purchasing for myself. Yeah. But I was just like, um, I don't think it's your place to tell me what is and isn't my job, but. Oh my okay, God, okay. the audacity. <laughs> yeah. The audacity of men. Shockingly, I there was no second date. But, you know. <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> That's crazy. Like, I really, when people try to tell you what you're doing, yeah. it's like, oh, I just met you. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, sorry you had to go through that. I hope <laughs> I hope you are validated in a hundred ways for the way that that one <laughs> dude tried to invalidate you. Thanks. Um, but yeah, to your point and your question, um, I, do, I do tend to read sort of more YA books these days and especially because I started writing YA again after a little bit of a break after the Kissing Booth series wrapped up Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the authors that I've formed connections with over the years mainly online over things like Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that and there's a book kind of festival in the UK called Yalk YA LitCon and like it's just so great to be able to connect with those authors by reading their books and support my friends that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm really, I'm really glad that you have more opportunity to read now because you deserve it. Thanks. So were you a big reader as a kid? Oh yeah, absolutely. What were some of your favorites? So I was a huge Jacqueline Wilson fan and she's like a huge author here in the UK. Um, Okay. I don't know if the story of Tracy Beaker made it across the pond and things like that but not to me and I was probably the exact right target audience (laughs) if you were reading it at the time but she so she was like one of my favorite childhood authors um but I read pretty voraciously (laughs) I specifically remember 
around year six, which I think is like fifth grade, something like that. I was about 10, 11. And we'd been learning about the Tudors in school. And I was like super into that. So I remember the other Bowling Girl was a really popular book at the time. And there's like 10 year old me going, this is a book about the Tudors. I want to learn more about the Tudors. And my parents being like, this is a book about the Tudors. Okay. Oh, God. (laughs) None of us realising. I don't think like I computed that there was anything sort of mature and adult in there. (laughs) Then there was obviously things like Artemis Fowl, Percy Jackson, the Alex Ryder series. I was big into all of those as well. Same. Same. Did you do like the Matilda thing where you would roll up to the library and get like a stack of an apot like a book a, a stack that is impossibly large to us in our thirties? It's like okay, I read that in a week when I was ten. <laughs> um, not quite with the library because uh, like I, I remember our school library was really not stocked. Like it it was stocked, but I think not at the kind of level I was reading at. I gotcha. Um, like, I remember my teacher at one point saying, like, why don't you look at these books? I was like, because I read them, like, three years ago. Like, this is why I've just read Order of the Phoenix four times back to back. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> truly <laughs> uh, an advanced book, just due to sheer density. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't kind of my my go-to. But, you know, my, my family were all pretty good at taking me to, like, the bookshop and things like that and making nice. sure I had plenty to read. Yeah. And then, you know, as soon as Kindles came on the scene, my mum was begging me to just convert to ebooks because I was, I, you know, I was the one on holiday who would try and put like seven books in the suitcase <laughs> and being like, no, I need, I need like, you know, Game of Thrones is not going to sustain me for an entire week. Oh my God. And I had to like, Game I remember having, I, I specifically remember having to like ration the pages that I could read each day because I was like, I haven't got enough books to see me through this holiday. Oh I can only God. read like 300 pages of this book a day. And that's why there needs to be a cute little indie bookshop in every small town where people vacation. Yeah. To be fair, Spanish hotels always seem to have like a little bookcase down in the reception or the, like in the lobby. Um, like a give like, a book, take a book. Yeah. Which is always I pretty love cute. That. But like yeah. teenage me was not interested in this. <laughs> <laughs> I love when I go, like get like a rental house and they always have like a little yeah. stack of books. And I, I always feel like my book karma is really strong because I <laughs> read a lot and I distribute books liberally to the little free libraries around me. So I'm like, I'm just going to take this one. This looks yeah. good. <laughs> that happened to me this last weekend. I found Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. Um, and I'm, I've been wanting to read that one for a long time. So I was like, I'll take that. Thank you very much. It's got to be done sometimes. <laughs> have you read that one not yet it's on my list though i recognize it's the title immediately got a very <laughs> got a very cool title and cover and that is kind of all i need yeah <laughs> how did you get into writing was that something that started when you were a kid or is it more of a adulthood thing for you yeah no it was when i was a kid i remember really enjoying writing stories at school um probably because i loved books so much i just loved stories um so you know everyone else would turn in um like you know a side or two of a4 for whatever story we've been told to write for a lesson and i was like mm, five pages seems like it you know like i'm really cut cutting this story short because i've got to turn it in <laughs> um because i just I, I would just run away with myself and like You're I remember, like what if this was eighty thousand words instead? yeah <laughs> so when my when i went to um like high school my parents gave me an old laptop uh to do homework on 
And I was like, excellent. I finally have a place to write my stories. It's not like, you know, the family computer where they'll, yeah. they'll notice and be like, what are you working on? What are you doing? <laughs> um, so I remember writing like a, because I was big into the TV show Merlin at the time. So I wrote like a Camelot oh. story because um, I love that kind of uh, mythology as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote like a fantasy trilogy about like covens of witches because um, I was into fantasy at the time. And then by the time I was 15, I was on Wattpad, the story sharing platform. Yeah. And I joined it as a reader initially. And then I thought, well, I write stories. I could share them on here. No, you know, why not? Yeah. And that's what I did with the kissing booth. And then like, you know, five books and three movies later, here we are. Truly an amazing <laughs> success story for a author who started on Wattpad. Um, there's, as I'm sure you know, there's been a ton of discussion in the publishing industry in the last like 20 years, maybe about yeah. like getting away from very historical, traditional paths to publication, publishing with the big five, um, yeah. just, you know, sort of validating self-publishing and any publishing options. How do you feel like getting published uh, through posting to Wattpad? How do you feel like that has affected your journey as an author overall? Um, I mean, it was definitely surreal because I was 17 when I got the contract. Amazing. Um, <laughs> and it, I can't, my 17-year-old <laughs> self would have been so jealous. 17-year-old <laughs> me was unable to wrap her head around it, to be honest. Like, I remember going to the meeting and my dad had come with me. It was like uh, sort of October break from school. And they offered me like this big pile of books and a couple of tote bags. And I'm like, where do I sign? And my dad's trying to go through this contract and I didn't have an agent <laughs> at that time. Um, I remember him asking them about like a force majeure clause and they were like, literally no one asks about this, but oh my God. sure. Okay. <laughs> Good for him though. Yeah. Um, but we didn't know how it would. And we thought, oh, an agent is just someone who's going to take money. Like we've cut out the middleman. This is great. Agents actually do a whole heck of a lot more than 17 year old yeah. we realized um, <laughs> being completely new to the industry. So after that, initial contract ended I I reached out to an agent and I still work with her now because she's brilliant but I think having that journey from kind of self-publishing to you know traditional I I feel like it's given me a bit of freedom in my approach to writing um Mm -hmm. that sometimes I kind of forget and I'll get a bit bogged down and I'll think to myself oh you know I need to write what people are looking for and then I think no this never works out for me like I just get bored of the stories I'm trying to write let's write the stories I want to tell Mm-hmm. Um, so like, um, my 10th book that was published actually, which is my debut adult novel, um, it's called Lockdown on London Lane in the States, love lockdown here in the UK. That started yeah. as a pandemic project. Like I loved that book so much. Thank it, you. It, 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 it is steeped with like pandemic era nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> Banana bread, Tiger King, you know, yes. <laughs> but cause I, I like April 2020, we're all like, oh, this is going to be over in two weeks. And it just wasn't. And I'm like, okay, this is going to go on for a while. I was too depressed to watch the news. I would literally get my updates from Twitter about what the pandemic rules were, like by comedians conveying it in a skit. Because I was like, I do not have the brain capacity. For for self-care, we have to receive our news through comedy. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, genuinely. So I was like, you know what? I just need something like that's a really lighthearted take on all of this. So I yes. and I needed a project as well to like get me through because I was living completely alone, no family in the area to like, you know, see on a walk oh or gosh. anything like that. 
so I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just write like a series of stories. It's kind of like Love Actually, but in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, just people locked in the same apartment building together. And, you know, their stories overlap a little bit. And I posted it on Wattpad because I was like, well, you know, I'm not writing this to to get it published. I just want to write it and I might as well share it because maybe there are other people who also want something that's this now, what's happening, but it's lighthearted and it's fun. Yeah. And, you know, it, it got picked up. It was published. So Yeah, th- that's amazing. And I'm glad it was because then I got to buy a copy and read yeah. it with my own eyes. So <laughs> but like, that, that felt like a really fun full circle moment for me having, you know, started my career there and then 10th book coming out via the same kind of method. Yeah. And like even so- now, you know, I, I there's stories I've written that, you know, maybe I've we've put them out on submission and they get rejected or it's just like not what people are looking for at the minute. And I'll think to myself, oh, well, you know, if I finish it, maybe I'll just put it on Wattpad because, you know, why not? Yeah, back to your roots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you really do write. I mean, I've read I've read The Kissing Booth and I've read um, Lo- Lockdown on London Lane. I'm always like, oh, my God, what is the title yeah. that I'm supposed to say? Because it, it's Lockdown on London Lane in America, Love Lockdown in the UK. Is yeah. that right? Okay. Yeah, the the uh, the publishers didn't want lockdown specifically in the title for the UK, which oh. like made sense, and I understand like it's for different okay. markets. But so did it, you yeah, name it lockdown on London Lane? Yeah, because we're, again, where I was publishing it online, I thought, well, I need like a really obvious title, and I want to convey that it's yeah. set in Britain, and that it's about lockdown. This feels like a kind of cute title, but also does what it says on the tin. No yeah. one is gonna go into this with like any misconceptions right this is what we're doing here well I think it's good that that's at least the title in the U.S. because I'm sure American readers are like "Ooh, London yeah well, that's what I hope anyway yeah um so that it truly is such a lighthearted take on the pandemic it's like what if the worst thing that happened because of the pandemic was a one-night stand turned into three weeks of chaos <laughs> yeah. like it's so lighthearted and like even the kissing booth is like so giggly and fun. Like, what draws you to these fun, lighthearted, romantic stories? I know you said you read fantasy, and I'm sure you read other genres too, but why? what is it about contemporary romance, really, that draws you to it? I think it's because it's the thing that I like to read the most. Mm-hmm. So it's just the genre I naturally gravitate towards. Like, I love a bit of historical fiction. And I love kind of, um, I, lo- I love fantasy as well. But that tends to stick more in my fan fictions that I write. Okay. Um, and then, but then even with, because I, I write quite a lot of fanfic as well. Even when I'm doing that, a lot of it is like a modern AU and I'm doing it as a rom-com. Because it, yep. it just, it, <laughs> it's it feels, instinct. yeah, it's, it's like by genre. It's what I love. I love tropes. I love a bit of cheesiness and that kind of comfort that comes with it. And I love kind of putting new new twists and takes on it. So, for instance, I've got a, a YA book that comes out in November, and it's called Sincerely Yours, Anna Sherwood. Yes, I'm and so excited. I'm I'm proofreading it at the minute. I love it so much because it's a grumpy sunshine, but she's the grumpy one. Okay. And I'm so used to reading and writing grumpy sunshine where he is the grumpy one and she is okay, the sunshine yeah. character. Um, so kind of, you know, turning that on its head was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. A bit of a... Ter- uh- 
I think that maybe like the sunshine girl trope falls a little bit into like the manic pixie dream girl trope sometimes. And I do love a manic pixie dream boy situation instead. (laughs) That's so fun. So you are totally right that this genre, I mean, every genre has its tropes. I think that uh, like romance really, it's got some stuff. You got to hit some stuff, you know? Um, So how do you take those tropes and make them your own? I think for me, when I'm writing, it's a lot about the characters. So I I don't plot my books. Um, I'm very much a pantser when it comes to writing. Cool. And when I've got the initial idea, it's very much who are my characters and like what's the main situation they're going to be in. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so she's, you know, she's like the hardworking intern on this summer internship scheme. He's the sunshine CEO's son. Um they kiss before the internship starts and then they're stuck together for the summer. Love it. And then I'm like, okay, that's, so yeah. Fun. <laughs> I love a forced proximity trope in case you couldn't tell from lockdown on London Lake. Yeah, oh my God, I love <laughs> forced proximity, the novel. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but I'm like, okay, that's, that's it. That's the book. That's the vibe. We'll figure it out as we go along. Mm-hmm. And I'll have like the ideas of the big moments, which are usually like, you know, the big kiss scenes or the big dramatic Right. kind of arguments and the conflict that they have to work through, you know, the key emotional beats of the story yeah, and everything else. I'm like, okay, well, we'll kind of just keep writing until we get from A to B and then do that again until we get from B to C. <laughs> so when I'm kind of working with tropes, because I love them, so I'm happy to write them, I just, I will lead into them because I think this is how I'm going to have the most fun with it. And, you know, sometimes the kind of twists on them, I'll think, oh, obviously I need to do this to set that up. And mm-hmm. it seems really obvious to me. Or it might just be like when I'm working with my editor on it and they'll point something out and I'm like, oh, that's so obvious. I, I knew this wasn't working quite right, but <laughs> I was I was just too close to be able to see it. Yeah. But I'm very happy to like just go all in on the tropes because I think it's that's that's what we love as readers. Yeah. So I don't want to shy away from it. Well, and I think that that's probably part of that comfort you were talking about that people feel in this genre is because they know what they're getting. Like in one of our last episodes, I I actually have no idea where I said this. Maybe it was on this (laughs) podcast, but I I was talking with some friends about how like I'm so I'm so gullible when I read books like I'm never looking for the ending, like any mystery book, like I never know what's coming. And I'm like so dumb about books that lit- I'm like reading these like contemporary romances and I'm like biting my nails I'm like what's gonna happen to them and it's like obviously they end up together like what do you yeah. think like and it's just nice to know you're reading that kind of book you yeah know? it's like um a court of thorns and roses as soon as the dark haired guy walks in and you're like okay now we're cooking, <laughs> now we're cooking with gas here he is <laughs> Um, so another one of the key features, at least in my opinion, of a really solid both contemporary fiction and romance, and especially the two of them together, is dialogue, like yeah. organic dialogue. If you're going to write people falling in love or not falling in love, like even even if there's just two characters talking, I, especially because it's contemporary and they're so grounded in like the world that we're living in right now, like I feel like you can clock bad dialogue from a mile away in this genre and and you write organic dialogue so wonderfully like what are some tips that you'd give writers about writing organic dialogue and getting that tension in there um it's a great question because I don't think about it a whole lot most of the time I'm doing it 
<laughs> That's true skill then. <laughs> I think a lot of it is kind of knowing those characters and how each of them is it going to be reacting and responding emotionally to this conversation because mm-hmm. it is so easy like as a reader to say just communicate just like say the thing yeah but we don't do that as people you're totally right I'm constantly you know? just like tell her just tell her literally no. But, like, you wouldn't do that in real life. You'd be like, oh, my God, I cannot tell this person I have, like, the biggest crush on them and I've been in love with them for the last three years. <laughs> no, that's humiliating. They probably don't feel the same way. That's never going to happen. And, like, you as a reader are thinking, oh, my God, but, like, they're in love with you too. Just say it. Right, because you know where it's going. Yeah. I guess that's dramatic irony. It's like, you know <laughs> they're going to fall in love. They don't know. Yeah, but I think knowing how each of the people in that conversation are reacting emotionally and like where they're mm-hmm. coming from and like their motivation for saying what they're going to say and how they're responding is pretty important. Yeah. Because, you know, it's easy to say this is how the conversation should go, like scripted in your head when you're thinking through how to talk to some, you know, how to have a conversation with someone about maybe something a bit big or a bit stressful. Mm-hmm. But you're like in reality, it just doesn't work out that way. I think it's also important to remember, like, if you're, like, the characters that you're writing, if they're probably flawed humans, you know, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Most of us are. Like, you know, we don't communicate fully and properly all the time. And that's okay because no one's perfect and neither are your characters. Like, they're not, they're probably not model human beings who do everything, you know, by the book, pun not intended. If they are, then they're not interesting in the story you know what I mean (laughs) and like I I quite like reading protagonists that are a little bit unlikable because it gives me more like it it gives them a bit more human side that I can relate to I'm always encouraged when I see reviews of my book saying like oh but like the main character really annoyed me because xyz I think good (laughs) like they made you feel something yes totally because they're flawed so much better than just being like I don't even remember the main character's name. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I haven't read all 12 of your books, which I'm so <laughs> excited for. Oh my God, I'm blocking you on everything, Christina. <laughs> so outrageous. I'm so excited that you have like so many coming out like last year, this year. Have you written anything that is not romance? Um, uh, published anything, I guess I should say. I mean, the closest one is probably I wrote a Christmas book called It, it Won't Be Christmas Without You. Um, that came out, I think, 2019. And it's sort of like a new adult novella. And that was more about two sisters, both trying to have like the perfect, like twins trying to have the perfect Christmas. So it's dual POV. They've each got their own romance storyline going on. So it's still kind of mm-hmm. a rom-com. But but that's not the central. Yeah, the, the central plot is kind of their relationship as sisters and, you know, trying yeah. to have the perfect Christmas. So it's like... You know, it's a little bit Hallmark movie-ish, but that's exactly what I wanted. And that's exactly yes. what oh I my wrote. Gosh. And for something about Christmas, we were talking before we started recording about how summer is the perfect season for like a lighthearted contemporary romance. But yeah. I also think Christmas season, holiday season is prime like rom-com time. So I'm, I need to add that to my... <laughs> reading list for this winter because like every every time every um december comes around i'm like i want all of the holiday yeah silliness like last year i read the matzo ball and oh a merry little meat cute about yes. did you read that one no it, it like it, it got to like 
December 26th and I was like, oh, I didn't get around to reading that. I'm going to save it for next year. But it's like, oh my like, God, on my Kindle the, ready. It's so good. Like, I don't think I, I, I've, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm stuttering because I'm like, this was so, it's about a porn star who gets accidentally cast in a Hallmark movie. <laughs> what an incredible plot. That's genius. So two Christmas books I need to add to this list of recommendations is uh, Tis the Season for Revenge. Oh my God. I can't remember the author's name exactly now, but it's basically like legally blonde. But is she broken up with Warner and taken revenge on him by getting with his boss? Oh my God. Okay. That's amazing. It it was one of the most phenomenal books I've read. Um, But also Love Light Farms by BK Borison. Mm -hmm. Like it was on Kindle Unlimited, but it's been traditionally published. And it was one that I demolished on my Kindle and immediately had to like, order myself the paperback because I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to read that again. Like, I love this book so much. I just need it. And it's uh, best friends to lovers, fake dating. She owns a Christmas tree farm. Oh, Everything classic. was so cute and cozy. Like, I can't wait for it to be Christmas so I can read that again, you know? <laughs> Those are all linked in the show notes in case y'all are interested, I don't know, in getting your Christmas reading ready in August. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people do. Well, it's... Uh, I mean, you say that, but it's funny because a lot of, like, my Christmas book came out, I think, end of August when it was published. You gotta give people time to buy it and read it. Like, they get published around this time of year, ready for the Christmas season. Yeah, that makes sense. So, there's your Rex for the winter. You don't need me. (laughs) So, would you ever consider writing romance in another subgenre, like a fantasy romance, science fiction romance? (laughs) Okay. Way ahead of you. Um, Oh, uh last uh what was it like november time october something like that i started writing a romanticy so romantic fantasy book um and i (laughs) it's a really niche backstory to it but there's a song from tangled ever after like the disney series based Mm -hmm. on tangled the movie and the song is ready as i'll ever be sung by a character called varian i've got no context for what this like what this song is about but it's a great song like scratches a really specific itch in my brain to the point where I was like I need an entire novel (laughs) like this feels so I ended up writing a 134,000 fantasy story (laughs) where it's like Tangled meets Game of Thrones bit of My Fair Lady thrown in oh my god she is the lost princess who's returned to the kingdom uh after breaking a curse so she like it's it opens with her showing up having you know defeated a dragon she's got a handsome prince on her arm and it's a dual pov and he is the son of the king's advisor tasked with like training up this unruly princess who's grown up as as like a, a peasant in their kingdom uh to be the future queen and they both really hate each other so it's enemies to lovers it's forced proximity um, he's very morally gray. Um, love it. Love a morally gray anything. Unlike those sort of adventure politics kind of storylines, which where the sort of Game of Thrones comparison yeah. comes in. And I started the sequel to that and I, I did send it to my agent. So <laughs> you never know, I guess. Oh but my God. It was one that so I wrote just because like, just because of this song from the Tangled series. And I was like, I need a book that feels like this. So I went and wrote it. That's <laughs> it was one of the really most cool. fun projects I've worked on in a while. Amazing. So you had a good time writing something a little bit different. Yeah. 
That's great. It's good to exercise them writing muscles, you know. Definitely. Try something new. Awesome. Well, before we wrap it up, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your next upcoming book. Is it Sincerely Yours, Anna Sherwood? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so that, like I said, it's a grumpy sunshine YA romance. It's sort of older YA, so the characters are kind of 18, 19 in it. Um, mm-hmm. And Anna is this really sort of serious grafter who has worked really hard to get on this internship program for the summer. And just before it starts, she has a night out, decides she's going to let her hair down. She meets a cute guy at a bar. They share a really cute kiss, like just a really cute night hanging out in London. Mm -hmm. She shows up at the office on Monday and there he is. And he's the CEO's son. And she's... She really needs to concentrate on this internship. She doesn't want yeah. any romantic distractions. Um, he He's the sunshiny character in this, so he's just, like, super friendly. He's, he's trying to get to know her. They obviously keep bumping into each other a lot. Sure. Uh, so I think it's probably more romance than rom-com, but hopefully there's still, you know, a few funny moments in there. Yeah. Um, I'm... I'm so excited for that one. Thanks. And a fun fact, it is actually vaguely based off a Laura Olympus, Hades and Persephone fanfic that I once Ooh, wrote. So that you, is really fun. Yeah. So if you if you do read it and you're also a Laura Olympus fan, then yes. um, enjoy trying to pick out who some of the like secondary characters were oh my God. in the original <laughs> fanfic. So <laughs> That is so exciting. I love Laura Olympus. And the world is like, give me more Hades and Persephone right now. They're having like a huge resurgence. Somehow, you know, they say fashions don't die out. And somehow all these millennia later, we're (laughs) like, damn, Hades and Persephone. Am I right? Yeah. There's one coming out this week actually called Girl Goddess Queen, which is a Hades Persephone YA retelling. (gasps) It's by B. Fitzgerald. And oh my God, that's one of... That's one of my favorite Hades Persephone retellings that I've come across. That's up there with Laura Olympus for me. Okay. I am going to have to check that one out because I've been really wanting to explore them, but there's actually like so many now that I'm like, do I begin cute YA or do I begin in the deepest of smuts? (laughs) Like where, I guess I'll start with cute YA and see where it takes me. I mean, this one's, this one's got a little bit of spice in it. um, Okay. The steam. So maybe it's a bit more middle ground. Okay. Okay. It sounds awesome. I'm I'm so I've it's never very, dreamed of, of getting this many wonderful book recommendations this episode. <laughs> and like, you know, when someone says to you, "What books would you recommend?" and you suddenly forget every book that's ever existed. Yeah, I've never read a book in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so at least this was like a more organic way to do it because I I was not prepared to tell you any books that I could remember reading. <laughs> okay, then I'll skip my last question. <laughs> Um, yeah, you've given us some wonderful reading homework that I am going to get to because I have a beach vacation coming up and so got to grab something lighthearted. I'm not taking anything that's going to make my brain work harder than just reading the sentences in front of me, you know? Yeah. Spanish love deception was really great for that when I went on holiday last year. Okay, maybe I'll look into that one. But I've said that like six times. So um, I'll line up all the synopses of all these books and figure out which one is speaking to me yeah. for my summer vacation. That's it though. You got to like, like, I don't know about you, but I always pick based on like the vibe of the book I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, totally. It's like, what am I feeling right now? And a lot of times it, it has to do with what I just read. You know, yeah. I'm like, 
I'm like, okay, I am not reading another 600-page fantasy novel right now. <laughs> My brain will explode. I need something easy. Yeah. I'm going to reread Holes, you know, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> And I'm lucky that my little beach vacation town has a cute little bookstore. Shout out to Buxton Books on um, Hatteras and the Outer Banks. I love, love them that. so much. Yeah. And so it's like, even if I do bring enough books, still got to go down to the bookstore yeah, and get some new ones. ones. <laughs> it's, it's a holiday. It's a treat. Exactly. And I'm there with my mom a lot. And my mom's like, I'll buy you three books. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm like eight years old again. <laughs> Thank you, mom. That's amazing. <laughs> My sister's also quite into reading and um, like because I get sent quite a few books to like proofs of books um, mm -hmm. to blurb yeah. and stuff, which is amazing. That's one of the best perks of this job. Um, but my sister will come over quite often. And she's like, so what's new in the library? Have you got what, like what books can I borrow? <laughs> yes. Well, my friend this year started what I hope becomes maybe like a quarterly tradition. But my <laughs> friend hosted a book swap. Oh, I love that idea where we all brought the books we'd read, but we probably weren't going to read them again. And it's nice because you can be like, oh, I think you'll really like this one. Or like, oh, yeah. this one's not really your style. And we just kind of traded them all around. And then the rest went in a little free library. That's so cute. Yeah. I think having friends who read is the best thing. It's like, Definitely. this is for you. I am putting this book <laughs> in your hand. I have stamped it with my name. It will come back to me someday. <laughs> well, Beth, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Like anything else that you got coming up that you'd like to plug or any other like last minute thoughts or feelings about um, like contemporary fiction, summer reading, anything at all? Um, I think I've plugged all my recent books, my upcoming one. So mm -hmm. that's that one covered off. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything specific, but. That's good. That means I we hope everyone about has, a lot of good stuff. has a fun summer reading rom-coms. Yeah. And if listeners, if you're reading any really wonderful rom-coms right now, please email us hello at wildlinkpress.com or hit us up on Instagram or Facebook because I would love to know what fun rom-coms you've been reading this summer. Beth, thank you so much for joining us on How Do I Book. Thank you for having me. I had the best time. Yes. And maybe we, um, we can get you back on the show next year to talk about your next project you're writing so fast that I'm like I gotta keep up <laughs> no I would love that that would be great awesome and everyone if you're not following Beth online already all of her links will be in the show notes so you can stay up to date about all of her many books you're prolific and that's amazing <laughs> thanks I try <laughs> and that's how you book This episode was edited by me, Christina Kahn. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton. Please check out the show notes for a link to the accompanying blog post and visit us online at Wildling Press on social media or at wildlingpress.com.